the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And uh, we couldn't do it yesterday uh, because of uh, some scheduling issues, but we are delighted to do it today. And that is our weekly visit with Brandon J. Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, his upcoming book coming out. A little bit later this year, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. You can follow Brandon Weikert on Twitter at WeTheBrandon. Brandon, how are you, sir? Hope you're doing well. I am okay. Doing great, actually. How are you? I'm doing fine. I want to talk about some fun stuff with you today and some scary okay. stuff. Is that okay? Fun and scary. Well, they, all, they all go together when you're talking I, I guess. <laughs> what's the, isn't there a lot? What's the movie line? What's it from? There's a, there's a thin line between uh, whatever. Uh, Brandon, <laughs> uh, your column at American Greatness on Elon Musk is a pretty good place to start. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a frightening title, assassinating Elon Musk, question mark. Uh, you, he is the last of the great American tycoons, and he has all the right enemies to prove it. Talk to us about this. Well, um, you know, that, that article was initially as a response to what Dmitry Rogozin, uh, the head of the Russian space program, Roscosmos, uh, I guess two weeks ago now, tweeted uh, what amounted to a death threat uh, against um, uh, Elon Musk, because as we've spoken about before and as I've written about at the Washington Times, uh, Elon Musk, at the beginning of the war in Ukraine, gave 40 Starlink terminals to Ukraine so that the Russians wouldn't be able to cut off the country from the worldwide telecommunications network. Uh, and Rogozin was pretty PO'd about that. And he, uh, the Russians have been stewing because they've been launching these cyber attacks against uh, different SpaceX Starlink satellites in orbit. And every time they try it, SpaceX is able to defend uh, the, the, the satellites under Russian cyber attack. They're able to defend their systems against the attack. One, um, one the, uh, Pentagon uh, observer who saw this in action, he called the SpaceX cyber defenses of their Starlink network, quote, eye-watering. And he said that we'd better start replicating those capabilities that SpaceX has to protect our military satellites, which we know are vital yet vulnerable to Russian attack. You and I have spoken about this in great detail. But Rogozin was very angry. The Russians have been angry for weeks. They've been stewing about it. Can't do really anything right now. So Rogozin's basically resorted to threatening, uh, uh, basically, assassination. So the article was born out of these weird tweets that were exchanged from between Rogozin and Musk, who basically woke up last Monday and tweeted, if I die under suspicious circumstances, it was great knowing you. Um, and everyone was sort of like, what's he talking about? Well, he was replying to Rogozin. Uh, and as we know, the Russians love assassinating uh, people with, you know, with these very horrible toxins they use, uh, and they have no compunction about doing it in, you know, supposedly 
distant, secure countries like Great Britain or maybe, God forbid, the United States. So with that in mind, I started writing the article, and then I started remembering some conversations I had had last, uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration with Vice President Kamala Harris's uh, space advisor, in which essentially my takeaway was that the Biden administration was very concerned that uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk were a little too independent, that basically there was concern because Elon Musk in November or October of 2020 had said that if uh, SpaceX gets to Mars, it will not be governed by American law, but instead either by some law that, that SpaceX determines or more probably international law as Antarctica is governed. Mm. And uh, the, the, the incoming Biden administration contacted me because they knew I was a hawk on space issues. I'm what they know as a space nationalist. Mm. So they wanted to get some inputs from me, and I gave it to them. And, and, you know, basically, understandably, they were concerned that, hey, SpaceX takes a lot of taxpayer dollars, so shouldn't they at the very least, if they do manage to get to Mars, be waving the American flag? And I said, yes, but that, you know, that is a problem. But ultimately, let's not put the cart before the horse here. And, of course, I realized quickly they were going to start using the FAA to come down on, to try to slow down and punish SpaceX launches uh, as a means to try to rein in Elon Musk from being too much of a problem for them politically. And so I wrote an article last year called uh, the Biden, uh, Biden Cancels Elon Musk Space Adventures, and I was immediately uh, cut out of whatever connections I had in the government. Uh, under the Biden administration, which is fine because I never supported Biden anyway, and they weren't taking um, your advice to to right. To, to that's heart. right. But right. the point is, the point is, the article in question is about not just the threats against uh, Elon Musk's physical person, but about how our own government is waging a protracted character assassination against Mr. Musk. Not only because he's a problem for them with this SpaceX thing, but also because he's a political threat, especially now with. Twitter, where he's buying uh, really a, a vehicle of great power, and that has been left to the left uh, for a long time, and now suddenly Musk is really threatening the left's monopoly, and they have to destroy him, and that's why you see the regulatory bodies being brought in to bear against uh, SpaceX and Tesla even, and maybe even eventually uh, used in September of this year to stop the ultimate transaction between Elon Musk and Twitter if Musk decides to Yeah, I was going to I was going to go there uh with you and you you did you did make mention of it as well that there there may be uh, an attempted federal interference with his takeover of Twitter. Oh, definitely. It, Musk is is one of these rare occurrences in history that um that, that that can command as much if not more attention than a president of the United States. Right? He's certainly more competent. Well, yes. more well that's person. part of it. That That's actually part yeah. of it. He can do things the federal government right. is ham-handed at. And he proves that every day, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so my concern, I, it's not even a question of will. They most certainly will, uh, the government, come down and use some BS regulatory, you know, uh, you know, some BS regulation, obscure, you know, administrative rule to try to stop and slow down any movement that Musk makes toward finalizing the transaction of Twitter, and it will be purely political purposes that they will use it. For the same reason that all of a sudden, randomly last year, as soon as Biden took power 
and Musk was getting a little too uh, ahead of his skids in the eyes of the Biden administration, the FAA... Did I lose you there? I might have lost Canceling these, yeah, these very important launches. Well, that was a signal. It was to, it was to complicate Musk's life. It wasn't, it wasn't because they were worried about the safety of people living near the, the star base where they launch uh, the, the rockets from. It was because Musk got ahead of himself, and they wanted to send a message to Musk, get in line, or the federal government's going to be up your rear end with a poker. And that's exactly what's going on here. And what's interesting to me additionally about that is he seems unafraid. I think it was just today he said he'll be voting for the Republicans for the first right. time, right? Right. Well, he's unafraid because he's he's sort of he's not one of these guys that can keep it to himself. Right. You know, he's his he's... Yeah. If I were him, I would have said discretion is the better part of valor. I've got a lot to lose. But that's, you know, that's not him. Most billionaires are more on the discretion side. Yeah. But but I think Musk actually might be highlighting a path that Trump started to highlight. Which is what's the worst they can do to you, right? Now is coming. Yeah. We have we have a little bit of a phone issue here with you, Brandon. Uh, give, let me let me let me ask your indulgence. Let me have my uh, let me have Bill call you right back. I think we just have a small small glitch in the lines. I I don't think I don't think it's the federal government, uh, although you know they do run telecommunications. But yeah, no. I, the only point I was making is there are occasional. Um, multi-millionaire billionaire types in in our history occasional that can command as much if not more attention than a president uh one might think of howard hughes uh one might think of the kinds of people who uh whose college buildings are named after you know your melons your carnegies uh people like that and yeah the presidents do get their revenge they end up putting them in the history books with pejoratives and epithets uh, think about Howard Hughes. What's his reputation? Is his reputation for being a tremendous innovator who 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 made you know all the uh, flights and movies uh, remarkably spectacular, or is he uh, now known as um, a crazy recluse? Uh, think about the people who built those uh, college lecture halls. Uh, they're known in the history books now as robber barons. We're never told who they robbed, but the historians, the progressive historians, uh, in the service of their um, in the service of their tune callers, do ultimately get their revenge, uh, or have in the past. We're in virgin territory here, and Elon Musk is uh, of a different caliber. We'll pick up on that when we come right back. We'll be right back. That's what Brandon Weikert is thinking based on our little technological glitch there. Welcome back, <laughs> Brandon Weikert, author of Winning Space, upcoming book, The Shadow War. We'll get to some of that stuff in a few moments. We're talking about Elon Musk and uh, his perceived um, – yeah, perceived is the right word – threat to the uh, administration on a couple of fronts, uh, A, doing things, getting things done, uh, especially on our new frontier – and be restoring things uh, as they should be free speech, um, both seemingly not in the interest of this administration and thus, you know, facing facing their 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 heavy hand. Uh, Brandon, um, 
just right before you went offline, I was just talking about how there have been a few people in history that have posed these problems to presidents, not often, but a few. Uh, you can think of Howard Hughes. You could think, to a lesser extent, Lindbergh, not with the money, but uh, in other ways, uh, you know, the Mellons and the Carnegies. Uh, right. uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's almost as if Elon Musk is that, except I don't really know what one can say negative about him. He's not... A robber baron. People want to work for him. He seems, I don't know, I haven't seen a poll on this, but he might be one of the most popular people in the country, if not maybe the world. Yeah. Maybe. Um, now, that's reason when your polling numbers are going down to fear him a little bit, but why not bring him in? Why not bring him in? Because he can't be controlled. Okay. Um, it's that simple. I mean, he's already. You know, he's he's basically the real life Tony Stark. He's yeah. the real life Iron Man. Yeah. And basically, he's today with this interview he gave, he's now openly punching a hole through the narrative that that Joe Biden is a competent, wise leader, um, and he's one of the elite. And so, for him to be saying what he's saying about Joe Biden's competency, about how Joe Biden is not really the president, someone else's, whoever's writing the speeches for the teleprompter, um, as he said. That 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 means that he can't be controlled. Yeah. And so after today's commentary, I would expect over the next few weeks to be some significant regulatory moves against uh, SpaceX, Tesla, anything that Elon Musk touches. I would expect a full court press uh, in the mainstream media of just hit pieces. And, you know, he's the worst and how much of a tyranny is to work for. And the only thing you could say negative about Mr. Musk is that. He's way too close to China. His his businesses are way, I mean, particularly Tesla, he's far too exposed for his own good. It's not an argument the administration Uh, will make, though. (laughs) Of course not, because they're all overexposed to China, too. Right. Uh, right. That's the one thing they like about right. Musk. Right. Query sure. as to who made uh, more I, money quickly there, Elon Musk or Hunter Biden. Yes. Yeah. But but I do think it was interesting that uh, about a week ago, as the whole Twitter thing was going on, um, the, somebody kind of must have pitched this narrative to the conservative press because several conservative outlets, uh, while they were praising Musk for defending free speech with Twitter, uh, some of our friends on the right started hitting him for the Gigafactory uh, being located in Beijing and how exposed he was and how his comments about Chinese workers being more industrious than American workers. Uh, there, there's somebody who's trying to clearly make him look bad for the right because he has a lot of friends now on the right. And all I can say is that, you know, this was just like the same comment I made to the, the Biden people about, you know, you're worried about punishing Musk if he puts a, a SpaceX or international, you know, UN flag or whatever on Mars when he gets there, how about we just get there first? Yeah. And then we worry about, you know, so the same thing is, you would you know, think you would think the federal government and its apparatuses would have more resources than Elon Musk. You would think that. Right. But they, they do not. They don't want to use them, at least. And they haven't. And so my point is, whatever his exposure to China is in the immediate, in the immediate near term here and now. Uh, Musk is far more useful to the right and, and than he is, uh, you know, an enemy to the right. Uh, and we need to protect him because the left is out for blood. Now they're out for his blood. That's why I put the question mark in my article, you know, assassinating Elon Musk, question mark. I don't, you know, it's not just the Russians who want to kill Musk. It's the U.S. government, as led by the Democrats and Joe Biden, 
uh, or whoever Biden's handlers are, uh, who really want to destroy Musk as a person. They want to cancel him. They want to destroy his companies, no matter what the cost to us. And, and and part of this, Brandon, uh, is a little bit of a little little bit of it is Elon Musk's own doing with the back and forth on buying Twitter that also transpired over the last seven days. Right. There's yeah. a little bit of that yeah. going on, too. But that's him not being controllable. And maybe that's right. him being not predictable either. Right. And he's and, and maybe he's that's him negotiating out. for better concessions. Exactly. Exactly. And he's calling out people publicly, really humiliating them. The people you're not supposed to humiliate, the people you're not allowed to target and, and attack. Well, he's doing that very similar to Trump. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. And I think I think it's very tragic that Donald Trump uh, has not said, yes, if you buy Twitter, I will reactivate uh, my Twitter feed uh, because, you know, that that would be a huge boon for him and for the Trump movement. Um, and so, um, you know, I just think that that's the real sad thing because there's a lot of similarity between the musk and kind of trump personalities that really can get things done for the american people not for the elite but for the people and for those of your audience who think well space who cares that doesn't really affect the everyday american it most certainly does because if we lose space if we lose access to our satellites if we are if we lose the space race to claim a permanent spot on the moon or to, to get people to mars first we're really going to lose out uh, on a strategic high ground, very similar to what happened to the French when they were pushed out of North America by the British. They lost an empire, and they were never really a dominant power. I mean, they were, but they were never the leading power they wanted to be because they could never break through the British control of that part of the world. The same thing would happen if China and or Russia are allowed to dominate space. And so it will affect us, especially because so much of the economy will eventually, in terms of mining, will be done on asteroids by the year 2040, the latest. And so we need to be at the head of that. And, and what Musk is doing is he's, he's democratizing space. He's making it more accessible to ordinary people. And thanks to his reusable rockets and thanks to space tourism, eventually ordinary people will be able to afford a trip to a space station or to uh, our, our colonies eventually that we have on the moon and Mars. And this is all good. And so we need to be giving him whatever resources he needs so he can better humanity rather than sticking it to him because he happens to have a political disagreement with the current leadership. This is not the Soviet Union. And it's not a political well, disagreement that had to come. In a bit, in a way, it was a forced disagreement. In a way, the, uh, the Democratic Party and the left taunted the hell out of him. They did, and it's crazy because just like Trump, actually, most of you on Musk's life, he's been a Democrat. Right. You know, right. I, I mean, Trump was a Democrat until two, until about 10 years ago. Fits and starts. So but like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ronald Reagan was a Democrat yeah. most of his life, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, I mean, they start out on the left, and then the, the left tends to go too far. And then these people like Musk or Trump or Reagan before them, who sort of have their head on right, they're like, well, wait a second, we haven't left the party. The party left us. Yeah. Let me you take know? a quick and so break, and let me merge to the fun part on the other side. UFOs, right? <laughs> we got to yeah. talk about it, don't we? Everyone wants to. <laughs> I'm one of Let's them. Let's do it. Let's I'm one of it. them. Let's I'm Seth Leibson. He's Brandon Weikert. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest columnist at American Greatness, the Asia Times, author of 
Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, which is his current book, and it's fantastic, and a new one coming out a little bit later this year, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy. All right, so there were hearings uh, today, Brandon, uh, or, or I should say there was one public hearing and one non-public hearing on um, on UFOs. UFOs, Brandon, what do we think? Yeah. Well, what do the, we uh, think? What do we know? Is, yeah. yeah. The official term is UAP. Yep. Uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Right. Uh, to show you how uncomfortable our government is even talking about this, they have to change the whole name. You bet. Um, but um, you get this. This is, is the whole world we're living in. Gender affirming is actually gender change. We right. change. We change everything around here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a great George Carlin skit about that. Well, they used it. They, uh, yeah, the George Carlin's <laughs> na- ghost was over the hearing today. They were talking about near misses. And yes, and have you heard yes, George Carlin? There is yes, no such thing as yes, a near miss. Yes, it's a full miss. Hit. They were talking about... I was thinking George Carlin all day today, Brandon. Yes, yes. So we're, we're great minds. You caught that, like, too. You're right. Um, okay. Yes, yes. But, but basically... Um, the military is not um, – I don't think they're being totally honest with what, what they're seeing. It may be a case of the right hand not talking to the left hand. Um, but I, I think a lot of the, the sightings, so-called, are actually experimental U.S. military or, God forbid, Chinese uh, uh, aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly, I, I, thought I had an experience last year, um, not with aliens, um, <laughs> but I had an experience – I had an experience last year where um, one of our major military commands uh, asked me to come out at the last minute uh, to give some inputs to them because they had for weeks been uh, on the West Coast uh, basically dealing with um, these intercepts of vehicles that they could not identify and vehicles that were moving quicker than our air defense right. systems could really right. track them. and. And so they were asking what, the, you know, an outsider's viewpoint, what might be going on. And what, what I said to them is, look, uh, it's, you know, I, I don't know if it's alien, I, but let's, let's get rid of sort of the extraterrestrial for a second and look at something closer to Earth. We know that, both, that the United States, China, and even Russia are engaged in a shadow war, to use a favorite term of mine, uh, a shadow war, uh, a competition for dominating next-generation exotic technology for military purposes. And we're now at the point in that race where covertly, very covertly, our militaries are testing those systems in the real world, prototypes of those systems. Remember, the stealth uh, plane was tested about 12 years, 10 years before it was ever revealed to the public. Mm -hmm. Um, And when people saw that plane being tested at Area 51, the people who hang out there trying to the little little green men, uh, they assumed that that black triangular craft that was relatively quiet uh, was actually a, a, an alien craft that we reverse engineered. Mm-hmm. It was not. It mm-hmm. was just cutting-edge technology about a generation ahead of what was on the market. And so I really believe that most, if not all, of these sightings are technologies that are on the bleeding edge of military technology um, we know, for instance, going back to 2009, they've been very open about this in, in the press lately, in the scientific uh, technology press. Uh, DARPA has come out and said they've been heavily investing in research and development into anti-gravity technology. Uh, we know that China, for example, has the world's 
uh, most sophisticated hypersonic wind tunnel where they can test very large hypersonic vehicles. They're building actual hypersonic vehicles that can orbit the Earth and go, you know, potentially at, you know, thir- you know, thousands and thousands of miles an hour. We're just now starting to get small working versions of that on our own. China's ahead of us in that in that domain. I got. Uh, I got to take so, a quick break here, Brendan, if you don't yeah. mind. But I'll tell you something. Uh, maybe to uh, think about. You've probably thought about it already. But pick up on the other side of this break. Let's let's assume that we have definitive evidence that all of this is China. Um, that should not make us more comfortable. Absolutely. Can not. we pick up on that when we come back? Happily. Thank you, sir. Happily. I'm Seth Liebson. He is Brandon J. Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, his book, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, coming up this year, columnist at the Asia Times and elsewhere, publisher of The Weikert Report, theweikertreport.com, if you want to keep up with him. It's all free. And uh, as we go to break, I'll put in a word for Balance of Nature, the good folks at Balance of Nature. I take it every single day to keep my immunity boosted and my health Strong and my energy high, all natural, 100%, no caffeine, no added sugar, nothing like that. It's pure fruits and vegetables, 10 servings in one daily dose of good, potent stuff. Balanceofnature.com, their fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon J. Weikert is our guest. That's a little, what, blood, sweat, and tears there for you, Heidi Ho. Brandon, um, <laughs> so, Brandon, the um, the point we were talking about, what, what is it, UAP? What is it, unidentified yeah, aerial? aerial phenomenon. Aerial phenomenon. I hate that because that's like the Association, the University Association of Professors, AUP. I don't like it. I don't, can I stick with UFOs? Can we, can we, yeah, that's can we, fine. Can we keep that's the old fine. stuff, UFOs? So if it is Chinese technology, um, and assuming it is for the time being or for the sake of this discussion, that shouldn't put me more at ease, should it? No. In fact, in some ways it's worse because... Right. Well, we know what the Chinese Well, we know and what we don't know, yeah. Right. We know what the Chinese intent. Uh, and the fact that they are developing these really sophisticated technologies because of all the money they've made uh, off the last 50 years when we started deindustrializing and we started giving our jobs to them. And then, you know, they started taking that money they made from being the sweatshop of the world and reinvesting it into high-tech R&D and becoming a real competitor in the United States. And our companies just helped them do it. Uh, and our government looked the other way because they were all getting too rich to stop it, um, you know, from these, these deals. Uh, basically, now they're, the Chinese in particular are at a point where they can really challenge us in the one area we thought we'd always kind of be untouchable, which is in the high-tech domain. And so when I look at these crafts, and I thought it was interesting, the guy that was talking for the Pentagon, Bray, um, there was one picture they showed or one image they showed in particular they honed in on that, that they, they were all talking about was this uh, it was a three tri- black triangular shaped uh, unknown uh, flying objects. Um, I thought it was interesting that at one point they asked him what it was uh, and why they didn't know what it was. And, and Bray from the Pentagon said, oh, no, we, we actually have identified those. And there was no follow up. Right. There was nothing like, well, right. what were they? Right. So, and we know there was a longer classified briefing. Right. I was I almost wondering if there wasn't a wink and a nod that we'll deal with it in classified. Yeah. yeah. So, so I suspect that, that those were, in fact, 
And I quoted it on my Twitter page earlier this afternoon when the, the, the transcript was being released. Uh, one of his comments was um, uh, they've identified that many of the, the unknown objects have since been classified mm. as advanced uh, UAV. Mm-hmm. Now, who they belong to, whether they were us, China, or Russia. But if you look at where these things have been mostly spotted, very near or operating in the same vicinity as very expensive, technologically advanced military equipment, very sensitive military installations, um, whether it's DARPA or it's, God forbid, China or Russia, testing these very sophisticated exotic systems against the best that our military has to offer, um, it makes sense that they would be going there, these, these crafts, uh, that they would be testing themselves against our best trained and our best equipped forces and to see how they react, whether it's friendly or not. Uh, but I just have a deep, deep problem believing that this is little green or gray. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, so let's say, yeah, you know, let's let's stick with the let's stick with the slightly more rational thought here, and I'm I'm with you on that, and that's fine. Um, but it begs this question, something uh, we, we sometimes around here call the public's right not to know. Why, right. unless this were the U.S., um, unless this, this was one of ours, at, 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 at what point now does it matter if we shouldn't shouldn't wouldn't not knowing create more consternation than knowing? I mean, what is the danger of knowing if 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 this if the, we, the concern? Yeah. Yeah, you get it. Go ahead. No, you get it. Yeah, the the concern is that it might not be ours. And like I said, China in particular, in certain areas like advanced aeronautics and and astronautics, if we can use that term, uh, China really is starting to outpace us, and and it's scary. Well, that would be the Um, reason not to know, too, if the Defense Department or if the administration didn't want us to know we were losing. But also, it's the same reason for why, even as Russia and China are literally weaponizing space right now, mm-hmm. and for 10 years they've been doing it, the American government still says, oh, no, we have to adhere to the Outer Space Treaty. We cannot weaponize, even if enemies like Russia and China are, which we don't think they are, but maybe they are. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But we're not going we're to stay true. Well, it's, it's this utopian sort of bury your head in the sand mindset and hope everything turns out. Because if we do something else like weaponize space, or in this case, admit that we have really advanced, uh, you know, w- technology, that it is likely uh, that that will precipitate an arms race that nobody wants. But I'm here to tell you, the arms race is already on. Yeah. And we're losing. Right. The longer that we don't get the American people galvanized, the more likely American people are going to go, why are we spending all this money on defense? It's not yielding anything. We don't need it. The enemies that we have are so far behind us. We don't need to spend as much. And then it's going to turn out one day, uh uh-oh. No, it turns out China and Russia have been in very specific areas uh, with exotic technology. They've been actually beating us. And Mm -hmm. now they're going to deploy those systems in war and have a real chance of beating us in an actual conflict because they have the Wunderwaffe. What's that phrase, word? That's the Wonder Wonder Air Force. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a German phrase. It's, it's the uh, it's a sarcastic term, but but in this case, you know, it's where it's headed. I think. No, I I, I get it. So 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 if 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 they're going to keep parts of this or large parts of this classified or decisive parts of this classified, let's say that decisive parts of this classified. Um, I, I still have to tell you, I understand the notion that we don't want to expose to other countries what we may have if it is ours. 
uh, if it's theirs, we may not want them to know we know it's theirs. Maybe, maybe. Um, But but it does seem to me uh, at this point, the things that people believe should be classified is long over. (laughs) It's long over. And and it seems to me it just creates more stress and anxiety. Well, it creates more stress and anxiety and more fear. And the whole thing you're trying to do is avoid the fear. Um, and frankly, if you're normal, um, if you're I, a conservative, you're yeah. trying to avoid fear. Right. I happen to believe that right. the left in the Democratic Party thrives on it. Oh, they love fear. Yeah. yeah. And, and I got to tell you, you know, as an American who's been advocating for people to get more involved with space and technology at sort of that ground level, I can't think of anything more inspiring than to say, hey, look, our government has developed anti-gravity technology. Right. We've developed, you know, like that would be so cool. How many people? Well, I mean, when the, we put the, a man on the moon, we, we you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. How many people went into engineering because of that? And or how many people were even intrigued by nuclear technology that they decided to dedicate their whole lives to the to the pursuit of nuclear you, technology? You have to believe Same. though to celebrate to be in a celebratory mood over some kind of accomplishment like that, you have to believe that America is a great country and can do great things. Exactly. And and again, and yes, also exactly. not part and, of and half of our two party system. At all. Right. And right. And and also if it is the Chinese that is really scary because then they've got real world working next generation stuff and we're still sitting around with our thumbs up or you know what. <laughs> yes, I do. Thank you. Rand as we go to break. <laughs> you want to do one more quick segment before we go? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm yeah. Seth Leafs and he's Brandon J. Weikert. Let's put in, put in a word for my friends at Y Refi. If you're looking for a really great investment. I'm talking about a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Why refi is where you want to go. They help people who are doing their best to dig out a debt the right way and getting it done, paying off their debts, getting their FICO scores fixed along the way. Why refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing very well helping others, and you can be too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's the word invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Investyrefi.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon J. Weikert has been our guest columnist, Asia Times, America Greatness, uh, a lot of other sites as well, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Got to do a quick update on Russia, Ukraine, and uh, Germany is now weighing in uh, uh, again. Brandon, uh, give us a little bit of an update here. Yeah, so I was just uh, reading uh, our, our what's going on right now with Russia, and apparently – uh, France and Germany have announced that European energy companies should be allowed to pay for gas in rubles from Russia at a closed meeting between European community representatives and EU diplomats in Brussels on late Friday. And, of course, the Poland and the Netherlands are outraged, as should we be, because all this is going to do is continue fueling the uh, Russian war machine at a time when we were told that we have to weather the high fuel prices because uh, Ukrainian democracy depends on it. Well, there are our two closest supposed allies, Germany and France, doing everything they can to undercut that supposed solidarity 
movement against the Russian invader to save their own skin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I, I, this, this, it doesn't make me happy to say this, um, but we are one of the few shows that is still covering and interested in Russia, Ukraine. The rest of the yeah. world was at high volt super speed for a while. Ukraine, not anymore. Still going on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not anymore. They're moving on to the next thing, which I'm going to guess is white nationalism. It should be space nationalism. But, uh, right, it should be space Yeah, right? Yeah, who's, who's winning right now? Russia, Ukraine. Um, well, it, Russia has advantages in the east that they've always had, and so as the war shifts to the east to the south, the south is going to be the real contested part. Uh, they just secured Mariupol after a long dragout fight. Um, the Russians did, uh, but at the end of the day, I would say that this thing is going to have to end in a stalemate. Otherwise, Putin's going to have to escalate the nukes. Uh, to, and that that's a disaster waiting to happen. So my guess is that we're going to be reaching a stalemate soon, and they're going to negotiate where basically Russia gets everything they had before the war began, which is eastern Ukraine, and then they divide the country in half. Perfect. Perfect. Brandon Weikert, you are such a treasure. Thank you, sir, for everything you Thank do you. and everything you are and your time with us. Really appreciate you. Thank you. You betcha. All Thank right. You. Until next week, unless we have to break the glass and pull the lever and call you again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Uh, listen, let me put in a word for our sponsors at the Midas Gold Group. Diversify your investments today with physical gold or other precious metals. With the only gold company I recommend, Midas Gold Group. Veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. I know these guys. They're great guys, and they help make possible this kind of conversation that we are having. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's MidasGoldGroup.com or 480-360-3000. I own gold and silver from them, and if you're in the market for that, I'd like you to as well. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.